Cincinnati. Welcome to episode 9 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that delves into that glorious orange and black ocean to bring you opinion and natter chatter about all things Bengals. We said we'd return for the free agency period and it's not a moment too soon because it's been absolute carnage in the NFL during this past week and in fact during this past hour uh, and that means some activity from the Bengals as well. Normally we hear this noise around Paul Brown Stadium around the time of free agency. But not this year. There has been some action in the past few days. We do have a special guest who we'll be talking to later to discuss everything that has been going on pertaining to the Bengals. Uh, And we also have some announcements too. But here to discuss all the comings and goings with me is the spaghetti to my bolognese, the Anne to my summers, the golden (laughs) to my retriever, the toilet to my brush, the love to my island, the Chris to my baker, and the Cordy to my Glen. It's Nathan Palmer. How you doing, Paul? It feels absolutely fantastic to be back here. Um, what was it, a six-week break we had? Uh, it feels kind of longer, doesn't it, really? It but yes, probably about a six-week uh, a, a break. Um, Paul looks like he's aged about a good year in that six <laughs> weeks as well. He ain't done him well. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now, we are on the eve of the start, the official start of the 2018 NFL season. Nathan, how are you feeling? It feels weird because after the Super Bowl, you have that real lull, don't you, where you sort of feel it's all over and you feel the season's about four and a half years away. Um, but I actually feel I feel quite excited now. The Bengals have made some moves. Craziness is happening around the league. You know, it gets, it gets your endorphins going again, doesn't it, Paul? How do you feel about it? I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm feeling excited because it's felt like a particularly insane off season yeah. so far, and I think it might be down to the whole quarterback situation. There's a big, there's a large amount of quarterbacks out there. The quarterback carousel. Absolutely. Oh, Nathan, very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've had six weeks, and you know, I imagine that um, this is what I imagine that you've been doing, Nathan. <laughs> Nathan Palmer on a beach somewhere. <laughs> a pina colada in one hand, a mojito in the other. Several semi naked women and men fanning you, popping grapes into your mouth. <laughs> you wearing budgie smugglers, looking out on over the veranda, watching the waves roll in. That's pretty close. Was it? Pretty close, if you can call uh, North London that, then yeah. <laughs> you haven't been away at all, have you? I have You've not. Been I've been on a bit of a... I've been, you know, if we're going to turn this podcast onto a um, a biography of our lives. <laughs> no, I've not, not done a lot in the last couple of months, to be honest. Hard at work. You Makes know, looking change. forward to this. Well, um, as I say, we've got lots of things to talk about. We have so indeed. shall we talk about them? Then? Let's talk about them. Paul, what are we starting with? We're going to start with the levers, I think. AJ McCarron, the most notable leavers. There will be more announced in the coming yep. days and weeks, no doubt. Um, AJ McCarron and Adam Jones. How are you feeling about those two 
I think the McCarran situation is an unfortunate one for the Bengals because I felt like he never was going to start for them. And I, I feel to a certain extent we sort of messed him, not messed him around a bit, but, you know, you kind of gave him his chance, gave him that sort of platform. And in the end, you kind of knew he was never the one. Um, we should have traded him to the Browns. That trade should have happened, even if it meant, you know, us perhaps not getting as much as we wanted. It, it's extremely unfortunate the way it ended with us, you know, basically not being in the wrong, but not getting basically the raw end of the deal in that ruling. Um, and ultimately, we'll probably only get maybe a fourth round comp pick next year, which feels like a bit short change for what we Bengals, could have had. Bengals love a short uh, a comp pick, though, don't they? Well, they do, but a fourth round comp pick versus the Browns are basically giving you a you know the thirty third pick, which is basically a first round pick, and then that third round pick, which is basically a second. So, to me, it's a it's a you know we got nothing more from McCarran after the trade deadline. It it would have been nice to have given him a platform. And to be honest with you, for him. What we were talking about with that quarterback carousel, I'm not sure where he fits in because I think there's a lot better options than him. Well, you look at what's been happening. Today, we're recording this on the Tuesday, Tuesday the 13th, um, and we've had Tyrod Taylor go to Cleveland. That's a good deal for Cleveland. We'll talk about that later. But We've seen in the past hour or so, uh, um, well, Kirk Cousins looks likely to go to Minnesota. Minnesota have shipped out uh, Sam Bradford to Arizona. Looks as though Chase Keenum, or sorry, Case Keenum, is going to uh, Arizona. Arizona. Um, it's kind of insane, isn't it, really? Yeah, and I wonder where McCarran fits in, because I think he would have thought to himself... Oh, sorry, no, 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 sorry. Sam Bradford to Arizona. See, I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> Sam Bradford to Arizona and Case Keenum to the Broncos. That's it, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so at the, it looks as though everywhere, apart from perhaps... The Jets and the Bills, and you've got to think that the Bills moving up to yeah, take yeah, our yeah, spot, yeah. Um, they'll be after a quarterback get that yeah. number twelve spot, and so it leaves the Jets and Teddy Bridgewater still out there. Yeah. Um, now the Jets. Josh are McCowan's quite high. still out there from last year. Mike Glennon's still out there from last year. <laughs> <laughs> You're still out there from last year. I know, year. right? I'm, I'm going to be out there every bloody year. Don't worry about that. But um, yeah, it's kind of I don't know. AJ might might just might just kind of not be without he his best scenario. option might be to hold out for a bit and not to be morbid but hope for an injury and then move in because i think he no one's going to want to pay him as a backup and he's not going to want to get paid as a backup and i think he'll wait for a deal and if that means training camp and someone goes down injured and then he's sort of thrust in then i think it might be a situation like that because apart from the jets like you said i'm not quite sure where the shoe fits on that no absolutely um you got to feel sorry for him, really. I mean, he fought so hard to kind of, without malice and without acrimony, you know, to get out of the Bengals. And he's always handled himself with complete class, I think. Acrimony. Good word, isn't it? <laughs> um, but uh, he might be in the... I'm, so I'm not laughing, but... Well, I am. But he might be in the position that, you know, he thought he was doing the right thing to engineer himself a chance a at a starting uh, quarterback job and now there might not be any out there without anyone him. actually having to trade for him either. no there's that's no right. trade value to him that's which right is crazy and I, I, he's got to be hating Hugh Jackson now right yeah but anyway uh Pac-Man Pac-Man good decision by the Bengals I mean I've, I've got to, he might be back he might be back I think contracts when, when you look at it we get 6.9 million in cap room which for a fourth string cornerback 
to me is which pre- is what he is now which is what he is considering that you hope they bring Denard back you've paid Drake Kirkpatrick a lot of money um, and who's the other guy we're missing obviously William Jackson yeah. who looked fantastic last year so for me as a punt returner yes he's a good player as a fourth round corner I would like him back he's not worth nearly 7 million in cap room um, and he's also going to be 35 yeah when the season starts, which almost as old as me, yeah, which you know, in the cornerback world, Bar Terence Newman is not a great place to be. So yeah, I mean, he's been a. I mean, we've got a lot of production from him, and he is a bit of a fan favourite, isn't he? He is super intense, super up for it, and he's a good player. Yeah, you know, but he's also slightly insane as well. I think, <laughs> and you know, it's the flip side of that intensity, doesn't yeah. it? And he does overstep the mark both on the field and you know, off it a little bit. I think he comes back. You do? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it's a little, it'd be like slightly sour grapes that we didn't extend him and didn't, you know, mm. take that option up on him. But I think he kind of owes Mike Brown one for a start. His family are very much settled in Cincinnati. Wherever he goes, you can't feel that it's going to be for more than one or two years. I think the Bengals would like him back. I, I'm not sure how many teams want to take on, you know, a 35-year-old cornerback that to them has baggage. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, so it's a fond farewell to AJ McCarron and quite in all probability Adam Pacman jones We thank them for their efforts. But we have two, well, we have three arrivals, but we'll gloss over Bobby Hart. Sorry, Bobby, but... Can I just say, I asked my mate today on Bobby Hart, I said, he's a big Giants fan, I said, so what, what's Bobby Hart like? And he said to me, he was a downgrade over Marshall Newhouse. Well, Which that's... is pretty horrendous. <laughs> that's all you need to know, really. Bobby, I'm sure you'll fight your socks off in training camp, but I wouldn't expect him to be on the roster. You would? I would not. No, no, no. Uh, come, you know, whenever they make those decisions in sort of August time. Um, especially now, Jake Fisher actually has been cleared to yeah, play, which is useful. great news for him on a personal level. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder his, whether his poor play last year was actually, you know, down to that kind of crazy heart condition yeah, yeah that's a good point. so you know he'll be round to go he's a second round talent still yep and you know with Pollack in the building who knows who knows what can happen there but let's talk about Chris Baker happy with Chris Baker yeah I mean Chris Baker was one of those players that you know two years ago would have been a bit of a marquee signing but with typical Bengals you know someone pays a lot of money for someone who at the time is quite a sort of revered talent they have a bad year. The team says, "You know what? We don't. We want to get out of this deal." And the Bengals swoop in and pick him up on the cheap, a bit like they did with Michael Johnson. Yes, that's right. Where he went somewhere else, signed a big well, money he went to deal. Tampa as well. He went to Tampa as well. Didn't make Note it. Note to all free agents: Don't go to Tampa. <laughs> Your career well, will go off a cliff. And then the Bengals will pick you up on the cheap after. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that's an interesting one because. You know, we do need depth at defensive tackle. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, the, the problem for me with Chris Baker, a little bit like with Bobby Hart, it was the same thing I was reading about them, is the lack of effort was a problem with both. And that well, is I'm, always something to me that's a bit like, you know, you'd rather feel like they were na- na- like had niggly injuries they could get back. Maybe the change of scenery does him good. But that that wasn't the case in Washington. It was just... No, in, true, and yeah. also, he's, he's coming back and working with... Uh, Jacob Burney again, who he worked with in Washington. So yeah, you hope true. That's a good point. The fit is good. Good point. And as you say, you know, with Chris Baker coming on board, hey, you got to say goodbye to Pat Sims. I would imagine. Big well, Pat. it'd be a battle, wouldn't it? Yeah, Fat Pat's out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it's good cover for Billings, who kind of flashed 
last year, but Needs was a bit inconsistent. A bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might take the pressure off him. So I think on a one-year prove-it deal, it's, yeah, three and million. I, and dollars. I've been reading some of the uh, the breakdown of his contract, and I think we've got a bargain there. I think we have. three million in it. Just something it around that. that. Yeah. But, um, now uh, the big news broke yesterday. Massive. So, we're recording this on the Tuesday. The Bengals actually stepped outside of their comfort zone. They made a move. I mean, I think every fan has been crying for this. Nathan's going to crack open a beer to celebrate. celebrate. There you go, ready? There you go. Um, All over Paul's floor there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sewing room now is reeking of beer and Nathan's man. Quite man dreadful, smell. that one. Oh, God. Oh. Um, what is it? Let's go through what we're drinking real quick. Sorry, this is a Elbe Pale Ale. The one before I had was a Chelsea Blonde. It's a unique like thing where you take off the ring pull and the whole like top of the can comes off. Like a glass, it turns into a glass. Yeah, and it's got a picture of a gorgeous woman taming a lion on the front. One, what a beer as well. But don't get Elbe Pale Ale, that was not pleasant. Yeah, that Chelsea Blonde, it reminds anybody, anybody over the age of, say... 35 <laughs> will remember the old school kind of coke can ring pulls right is that what they used to be like not the whole top but just a little bit and i actually missed them yeah you had to put some effort in to actually get them off <laughs> and now everything's too easy today you yeah. have to the, oh. the kids today don't have to work for anything unique selling point though <laughs> isn't it that whoever's making chelsea blonde is on or something uh what the the picture of the lady person or both or i mean the, that's the reason i got it i was like oh mm. Oh, oh! Anyway, back to anyway, uh, Cordy Glenn. Slight diversion. I'm drinking tonight, uh, fact fans, um, a brew gooder. What's that say? I can't even say. Clean water lager. And it's jolly nice. That I does look say. good, actually. I might have to swap yeah, one of them over. Right. Oh, really? No. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, Cordy Glenn. They actually went out there and did something. Massive they balls actually... to go and do it. Not massive. Not massive balls, but for the Bengals, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have talked about that trade. I saw a couple of people on Twitter mention it out, and it had actually been mentioned for a while. I think back in the season, a few people were talking about it near the trade deadline. And I think the Bengals made a good deal, moved back a bit in the first round. There's always good, you know, good value there. You've not given up a pick as such. And really, the Bengals can 100% afford to give up picks because of the amount they've got. I'm surprised yeah. they didn't go down that route rather than, you know, move back in the first round. But, you know, Cordy Glenn, I think we're paying him about nine, ten million a year. Normal price for a sort of good left tackle. I know he was injured last year, um, and a few people I saw were saying, "Oh, he's pro football focus. Great, he's not great, not great." But he only played a few but the games. Four or five years previous oh, to yeah. last year, he Certainly. was consistently in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. And he's he's a pro bowl left tackle. Yeah, he is. So what more do you want? Yeah, I mean, it's huge for the Bengals because you plug him in on the left-hand side at left tackle, you get Clint Bowling at left guard where he's most comfortable, and all of a sudden, like, half your line or nearly half pretty good. And like you said, with Jake Fisher, if we can bring him on a bit, um, you know, you potentially still draft someone. Drafting a tackle or drafting a guard in the first round is still possible. Well, where you look at the Bengals, uh, well, you look at their drafting position now is 21 in the first round. You know, that's around the spot where you can get Isaiah Wynn mm. and a few other guards. So, And also, uh, some you know, the, the, the draft is quite centre-heavy. There's three or four really decent centres. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that's... The thing is, I don't want to get carried away. This is the kind of stuff, right? I mean, he's a good player, and I f- absolutely applaud it. Yeah. It fills a need straight away, and 100%. what a need, you know? Yeah. It, just, it just makes everything so much 
easier potentially for Dalton. Yeah, 100%. That could improve his game by that sort of 10, 15% that it's gone down in the past two years. You don't want to be relying in this situation on a guy that's on like a one-year prove-it deal at your left tackle position or a rookie. Like you said, Cordy Glenn is absolutely reliable. You can plug him in, if healthy, no problems. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Now, what happened... Yeah, uh, what I was saying is, this shouldn't be the end. This is what the Bengals should be doing every year. Yeah. Now, I know, you know, it's almost like kind of fireworks are going off and people are having street parties to celebrate (laughs) this because the Bengals have actually made a trade in the off-season. Now, they do that, but quite a low level in recent years. Chris Smith, last year, and so on and so forth. Um, But this is something different because we tend to, well, say we, the, the club tends to get people in free agency who are at the end of their careers, yep. are on the cheap, yep. they don't make too much impact, yep. but this guy's different. He's mm. in his prime, yep. he's a pro bowler, yep. or at least an ex-pro bowler a couple of years back. He fills a need immediately. Yep. He's a massive, massive upgrade to what we get. Yep. There's not, And also... All we've done, we haven't lost any picks. We've just kind of swapped, really. And yeah. that's, and that's it's, you can't not like it. No, it's a good trade. I but mean, I would say this is what the Bengals should be doing every yeah. year. Yeah, let's celebrate, pat them on the back, nice one. But this shouldn't be the end of it. This is what you look at, like, say, the Eagles, for instance. Yeah, right? 100%. They've got the best defensive line in football. Yeah. So what have they done? They've got Michael Bennett. Yeah. They've just signed Heloti Nata today. And it's kind of like, well, they didn't need to do that, but yeah. they've got a champion. They've got a champion mindset yeah. where they want to make. Well, they they know they're good on the defensive line, but they want to make it better. You look at the Rams; they had a decent secondary. Yeah. But what have they done? They've gone out and got Marcus Peters and Akib Talib. Mm. Tremaine Johnson was a decent cornerback, but he's out. Yeah. That's pretty ruthless. And the Bengals need to be doing that. It's yeah. kind of not settling for just a mediocre. So this is great. Yep. But it can't be the end of it. Well, no, and it's like we were saying before, you know, just as we came on air about, you know, it's been a busy day, it's been a busy hour in terms of, you know, teams picking up people left, right and centre. And I think for the Bengals, you know, we're making one move, we're excited about it. You know, frankly, we need to be making more moves. You know, every team, you know, making moves here, moves there, being aggressive, taking Breaking a chance. News. Breaking Chris, news. Chris Smith heading to Cleveland. Oh. Mm, Jim is asking Paul Dana. See what, why would the Bengals do that? That's a he's, well, a, he's a free agent. No, I know, but like, why? Why would they not pick him up? I thought he was excellent last year as a rotational end. Well, there you go. Maybe they'll draft someone in. Uh, you know, Dunlap's got to be extended next yeah, season. His yeah. contract runs out. Um, all right. So if that isn't the end, then who else do you want? Where else do you think? Everyone else has said Tahir Whitehead. That's been linebacker, a lot. Detroit Lions, and he will be the sort of player that probably you know. I'm saying this now. It probably come on Twitter now, but he's the sort of player I would imagine that's a week two kind of guy. You know, in terms of the top 100 free agents, you probably find him in the 80 to 100 mark. He's not going to be one of those guys people are throwing money at. Um, I actually, you know, an interesting one for me, I mean, a lot of the people that, you know, the flashy ones, obviously, I mean, I've got my list here, and they're all, you know, to begin with, a bit flashy, Alan Robinson, who I think's gone, Bears Norwell, today. obviously, he's gone. Jags, G- that's a big one for the Jags. I mean, the thing is, if Tyler Eifert goes, I don't think Tyler Croft is good enough, so to me, what, you should be looking at people like Jimmy Graham coming off of a bad thing, Sounds but like they won't. Sounds like going to the Saints. Going yeah, the Saints. and that's what I mean. I'd like, love Jimmy Graham. Yeah, so would, would I. You? 
if I thought went, he'd be someone that you'd at least you know kick the tires of. A couple of interesting ones for me. If Pac-Man goes, and do you know what? To be brutally honest, like coming full circle, what I think on it, it might be good to move on from him. Yeah. Like, but and if we do. Jonathan Joseph's a free agent. I know the Bengals love bringing back, you know, veteran yeah. players that know the system. And if he's a four-stringer and yeah, he's cheap, exactly. Yeah, why not? And the other one is Ross Cockerell, who used to play for the Steelers. Mm. He's a fairly good young cornerback who, you know, he was, he was at the Steelers and then I think he was at the, Gi- uh, the Giants, mm. I think. He'd be someone that you wouldn't have to pay a huge amount of money to that would come in and fit that sort of... Thing and I think that's how the Bengals are going to use free agency. It's going to be to fill those like real like depth chart positions rather than impact starters. Well, I, th- I think the linebacker position needs the most help after the yeah, offensive true. line. Um, I'd love to see Nigel Braddon from the Eagles, but he might be a bit too expensive. Yeah, he's that athletic cover guy. Um, I'd love to see Tia. Tia Whitehead's a good player as well. Preston Brown would be amazing, but mm. no chance on that. And Zach Brown of the Redskins. Connor Barwin's a possibility. Yeah, he's, he's one of those sort of veteran guys, you know, yeah. at the end of his career. He's from the Cincinnati area. Yeah, he went to the University You know, why not finish his career? He's still a half-decent player. Yeah. Um, so I think there's still, you know, wide receivers an interesting one. Paul Richardson has gone to the Redskins today, which I was a bit disappointed. I would have loved Paul yeah. Richardson. Um, I do think we need to go after a wide receiver, to be honest. Yeah, and we still might. You know, there's some, there's some, you know, Jordan Matthews, but he's more of a slot guy. He's out there. Yeah. Obviously, if, I would have loved Sammy Watkins, but he's gone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can go through the whole free agent list and pick, but I do think linebacker, wide receiver... Uh, and obviously offensive line, although they seem quite keen on safety, like upgrading the safety position, which is interesting. Yeah. So stand by. But we do have, to talk about this a little bit more, we have got a special guest. Um, uh, So let's hear from him. And on the line from Cincinnati is ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW radio host and the presenter of the excellent Locked On Bengals podcast. It's one of the Queen City's most vocal, most frequent and most thought-provoking media voices, it's James Rapine. James, are you there? I am, I am. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on to Cincinnati, James. It's our little kind of Bengals UK podcast that serves uh, all the UK Bengals fans in the country. So we're trying to build something. So it's great to have people like you on. It makes us sound really good and know what we're doing. So that's, that's, that's always a good thing, I think. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I, I love that you guys are, are fans all the way over there, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully I deliver, and, and this is a fun podcast. <laughs> it's free agency, or at least on the we're on the eve of free agency at the moment. Um, there's been things. There has been some things going on in Cincinnati. Paul Brown Stadium has been active. Um I just before we got to the the kind of small flurry of activity uh, in Paul Brown Stadium over the past kind of twenty four hours or so, I just wanted to get your top line kind of in a sentence verdict on a few things. Um, firstly, the the people that have left, AJ McCarron. What are your thoughts on AJ? It it stinks for the Bengals because they almost had a, a second and third round draft pick from for him in return at the trade deadline. And uh, I always thought that the, the Bengals might have overvalued A.J. McCarron a little bit mm-hmm. and that they should have traded him after he played in the, in the 2015 offseason. I thought that was the time to trade him. They mm-hmm. didn't, and he was a, a really good backup, and now he's looking to get a job elsewhere. 
So it stinks they didn't get much in return for him, but they'll hope to get a compensatory pick depending on where he lands, and, and, and that'll be all they get in return. So overall, I think A.J. McCarron's a, a good player. I don't know if he's a, a high-level starter or anything like that in the NFL, but uh, it does it does kind of stink to see him walk away without the Bengals getting much in return. And Adam Jones, always a bit of a fan favorite because he's a really passionate, intense guy. He's obviously, you know, comes with uh, the flip side to that intensity. But how do you, and he might even be back, you know, who knows. But uh, your initial reaction about uh, the Bengals not taking up Pac-Man's option? I was surprised in a good way. They, they shouldn't have taken his, his option. I think that that's, that's one of the things that uh, one of the bigger surprises of this offseason. I, I talked to Marvin Lewis the day he uh, announced he was returning and had that press conference, and he said there would be changes. I expected the same. And one of the initial thoughts that went through my mind Friday when that news came down was, whoa, they, they, are, they might be changing some things. And this is one. I remember years ago, they, Leon Hall was coming off of two torn Achilles, and they didn't uh, they didn't cut him, even though that he was due nine million dollars. This case with Pac-Man Jones, he's going to be 35 years old. He's coming off of a season-ending injury. I get it; he can still be a good player. He's a fan favorite. He can't be a good player for six million dollars. That's not what he's worth. And so the Bengals doing that, I think it was a great move, and I think it led and has given them some flexibility to make some other moves in free agency. And the arrivals, uh, we have some arrivals, more excitingly, I think. Uh, Chris Baker, what are your initial thoughts on, on uh, Swaggy joining the Bengals? <laughs> I, I like it, and here's why. There isn't much guaranteed money. Um, I think it's uh, around maybe a million guaranteed or less. I think I saw it was less than that today. And, and the details of the, the contract, I think, just came out. But overall, one-year, $3 million deal. Chris Baker signed, he was a premium free agent last year, and he signed with Tampa Bay. They thought he was going to have an impact. He didn't, but he had some productive years in Washington before that. So the Bengals get a guy who is looking to prove himself, didn't pay him a ton of guaranteed money. Uh, he's had weight issues, he's had locker room issues, but this year he's got to prove himself because he's on a one-year deal. I like it. I, I think that this is a move, along with the Adam Jones move, that, that kind of bolsters the defense a little bit because now – Maybe they bring back Adam Jones at a reduced rate and have Baker there in the middle, which he replaces. He looks to replace a guy in Pat Sims, who was okay and good during his time with the Bengals, but Baker much younger and has a lot to prove. And, of course, the big news that hit yesterday uh, should get finalised tomorrow. It was all these kind of pre, uh, kind of free agency or, you know, in that kind of legal tampering uh, period goes. It all should get finalised tomorrow. We're, we're recording this on the Tuesday. Uh, Corey Glenn, they actually traded for someone, and not just someone at the end of their careers, um, someone who's going to make an impact. Uh, what are your thoughts on Corey Glenn? I love this move. Love, love, love this move. You, you mentioned my podcast, and it, it, it's funny, Paul. Yesterday, I railed on the Bengals about how they need to make moves in free agency and how they have 11 draft picks and they need to consider making a trade. And there's this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy that needs to be on their radar to trade for it. Cordy Glenn was one of those guys because he's a left tackle. He's going to be 29 years old in September. He, as far as pro football focus, a lot of people, especially with linemen, that's how we look at 
judging lineman. He had an 82.3 grade or better from 2013 to 2016 for pro football focus. Last year, it was a dip at 68.1, but he only played in six games because he was banged up, a little nicked up. So to me, they're getting a guy in his prime, under contract for three more years, um, set to make, on average, around $10 million per year. It's, it's perfect. And, and they didn't lose any picks. They just trade down nine spots, and they move up in the fifth round. So to me, this is the outside-the-box thinking. This is what the Bengals haven't done in the past that they need to do this offseason if they're going to change the line, if they're going to change the culture a little bit and get back to where they were from 2011 to 2015 when they went to the playoffs five straight years. Mm, absolutely. I think a lot of Bengals fans over here are excited by this aggression is probably too strong a word, but actually making some moves. And I, I guess it's kind of preempted by the fact that Cleveland in the same division is going crazy. They are, they have to be better this year. Um, you would imagine uh, for their sake. Um, and, yeah. and all these, you know, the NFL seems particularly insane this off season. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it's just the amount of quarterbacks that are available and looking to move. I'm not quite sure whether it's, a domino effect because of that quarterback merry-go-round at the moment. But um, I wanted to get you on, James, because uh, a couple of weeks ago you uh, posted something up on Locked On Bengals, which I thought was a really great piece, and it was called uh, An Off-Season Plan for Mike Brown and the Bengals. And, of course, uh, since then, lots and lots of things have happened. Uh, the, Clor- the Corey Glenn trade... Um, might have uh, affected the way they're going to go about their free agency business from now on in. Uh, you know they don't like to spend a ton of money in free agency, but I just wanted to kind of go through that. Uh, how how has your kind of plan changed since the arrival of Corey Glenn? Um, you mentioned, um, you know, people like Nate Solder, who's going to go for an absolute fortune, you would imagine, uh, Cameron Fleming, Chris Hubbard, people like that. You went uh, through the offensive line, positions of need like uh, uh, wide receiver, and we've had Sammy Watkins going to the Chiefs uh, release today, uh, and linebacker. What? How does that kind of? How, how do you view the Bengals' approach to the free agency now, especially after the Corey Glenn trade? Uh, well, I think that they, there's still certainly more work to be done, and I hope that they don't think that this is it that this should be it. And I've already kind of seen it flown out, floated out there that, oh, well, the Bengals took on this amount of salary. This will probably be their big free agent move. And there's no denying how big it is. I mean, I, I big of a move this is. You could tell in my voice how excited it is yeah, right. and excited I am. But with that being said, this needs to be just the start. There needs to be more moves that happen, whether it's trades, whether it's free agency. And a lot of what I wrote uh, LockdownBengals.com for that off-season plan. I think that can still happen. Mm. And the, the the first thing is is you got to look at some of these veterans, Michael Johnson and Brandon LaSalle. Are they worth the number that you're paying them? Is that something? And to me, I don't think Michael Johnson do $5 million, Brandon LaSalle do $4 million. And I get it. There's uncertainty at wide receiver. That's why I would look at maybe getting a wide receiver in the free agent market. They, they can't rely on Brandon LaFell as being their number two option again in 2018, in my mind. Mm. They feel differently. I don't think they move on from LaFell. The people I've talked to down there 
that they love him in the, the locker room. They love what he brings. He's obviously a veteran in this league, so I think they'll probably stick with him. But Michael Johnson, I bet you they could bring him back for maybe a million or two and, and save three or four million. And if they did that, you could apply that to, to one of these tackles. You mentioned Chris Hubbard. You mentioned Cameron Fleming. That's what I want to see because the focus, especially today on Tuesday, is the Bengals and, and if they can keep their own free agents. And they're going to make a call. I assume they're, they're on the phone with Tyler Eifert, maybe, on the phone with Russell Bodine. I would let Bodine walk. Mm-hmm. And I would let Bodine walk because I, I love the draft. I think there's a lot of centers that are going to be available in the draft that they could take between rounds one and three. Mm-hmm. That could start and be an upgrade. And then you could take that money, Paul, and, and apply that to, to a Cameron Fleming, to a Chris Hubbard, mm-hmm. who I expect to make around 6 or $7 million a year. And now we're talking about a completely revamped offensive line. So it's, it's wishful thinking still to a degree, but I think it's a little more realistic now that we've seen that the Bengals are willing to make moves. Um, I, I, I agree with you because uh, the, the, the rebuild or refresh, whatever you want to call it, shouldn't be over. There are three, there are three or four key areas that I think need strengthening. And one of those areas is linebacker. I, I don't think there's any denying that. We need some depth at linebacker. We need starting quality at linebacker. Um, some of the names out there, you know, Tahir Whitehead, Preston Brown, Connor Barwin, perhaps, coming back to Cincinnati, uh, Zach Brown of the Redskins, Nigel Bradham of the Eagles. What's your kind of take on, on the linebacker position and anyone that you'd particularly like to see come over to Cincinnati? Because we've only had like people like... AJ, AJ Hawk, James Harrison, as you mentioned in your piece, and Carlos Dansby, who were kind of at the end of their careers and did okay. There's, you know, they did okay. But we want, for me, it's all about getting someone either in the prime or just past the prime who is affordable but is going to make an impact. We have to have real impact players there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think two guys that stand out to me and I expect them to get paid a significant amount of money, uh, and, and you're talking probably 5 to $6 million, would be players like um, Nigel Bradham, who you mentioned, Tahir Whitehead. And the connection with Tahir Whitehead is, is simple. Terrell Austin was the defensive coordinator of the Lions last year, and now he's the defensive coordinator of the Bengals this year. So Tahir Whitehead could be an option for them. I really like Nigel Bradham because he's very athletic. He can cover out of the backfield. You pair him with a guy like Vontez Perfect, and you're talking about two athletic, fast linebackers. And in this day and age, we know what Perfect brings, but if you could get another guy that could cover Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield, so to speak, or, or one of, some of these shifty running backs out of the backfield, I think it would do wonders for the Bengals' defense. With that being said, the, the other thing that the Cordy Glenn trade does is trading back to 21. I could see them looking at linebacker there mm. as well. A linebacker like Rashawn Evans from Alabama is someone that is projected to be in that range, could be there, might be the best player available. It gives them flexibility in the draft. So there's no denying the Bengals, they need to get better at linebacker. I, I like Nick Vigil. I like what they've, they've done. They, they got Jordan Evans last year, more athletic. But I can't count on those two. If you're going to go for it, maybe get a, a linebacker early that can contribute, or look at, at a Bradham, a Whitehead, or someone like that. I, I agree with you completely. They need to get 
players in their prime, players that can help right now if they go the free agency route. If not, I could see them taking a linebacker pretty early in the draft. And does that go for the same for the secondary as well? Because safety has been mentioned as a position of need, and I think many people would argue that uh, George Aloka and uh, Sean Williams are a pretty solid pairing back there. Uh, but now Adam Jones is gone. Um, you know, Sean Williams suffered a lot of injuries last year. Um, is this something, is this an area that the team should be looking for? I mean, uh, there are a lot, of, it seems to be quite a a good draft class in terms of cornerbacks. Maybe not so much safety, there's a couple of standouts there. But um, how do you view the secondary I think it's interesting because I, I don't think the I, – I think we agree, Paul, that, that their secondary as far as the safety position is pretty good. Mm. I mean, looking at it, Sean Williams and George Iloka, they have three years remaining on their contracts. I didn't think the safety position was what hurt them much on defense last year. And they have guys like Clayton Fagellum and, and, and other players behind them. Josh Shaw plays safety some and, uh, and Darren Smith as well. So – it's it's interesting that the Bengals, and I've heard this, that they were upset with their safety play last year. They tried to sign Kirk Coleman from the Panthers, which mm. I'm not sure he's really an upgrade. Uh, to me, safety doesn't seem as big of a need, but the Bengals feel it is. The Bengals feel it's a need. So if they do, I could see them looking at free agent safeties, and there are some, some names out there. One that I would love in because if we're talking safety, I want a game changer. Because I think George Iloka and Sean Williams are really good. Mm. One to pay attention to it is Tyron Matthew from Arizona. Oh, yes. He's costly. He's costly, costly, costly. Heck, I didn't even write about him in the off-season plan because I, I didn't think there was a chance in, in, in how that would happen. But mm. maybe it does if they really want a ball hawk, someone who's going to generate turnovers, someone who uh, it, it just has a nose for the ball. With that being said, if, if the Arizona Cardinals do release him, and I'm sure we'll find out within the next 24 to 48 hours, he's going to cost. He's going to cost probably $10, $11 million per year. I don't think the Bengals go there. If they don't do that, I could see them going safety in, in the in the draft. Yeah. Uh, when, when they were picking 12th still, I, I had a mock draft, and I had them taking Derwin James from Florida State. Mm, mm. I, I think they could go safety, but now that, that they're at 21, I think James will be gone. He'll be already off the board so safety i don't view it as big of a need but clearly they they do when they went after kurt coleman they went after him hard Mm. offered him a three-year deal i was hearing things all throughout the night and you just wonder what that means for the future i was looking at the contracts of george iloka and sean williams williams has more guaranteed money he would be much harder to cut as far as cap hit goes george iloka is someone could be on the block if the bengals lock up a, a safety so it's, it's certainly something unprecedented by the Bengals for sure, but something they're looking at. So, the, I mean, the winds of change are blowing down the Bankses up to Paul Brown Stadium and through the corridors, do you think? I mean, are we getting a carried away here? Or um, do you think, do you feel that there is a sense of uh, urgency here, a sense of we have to do something and we have to get better at, at roster management and roster building? I hope so. I hope that's the case. And so far, the moves we've seen, it feels like it's the case. Because really, all of their offseason moves so far, I've been on board with. From the signing of a low-end right tackle like Bobby Hart, who struggled in 
with the Giants, but they get him on a, a league minimum type deal to the Baker signing. So obviously the trade yesterday, the Adam Jones move. Everything they've done, I'm on board with, and very rarely can I say that. <laughs> very rarely am I like, well, yeah, the Bengals and I are in agreement. And not that I'm always right by any stretch, but it's just their, their lack of creativity, their lack of open-minded thinking throughout the years has made has frustrated me along with most Bengals fans. But I think that that's changing at least a little bit so far. I need to see more. I hope they complete this with the offseason and do the – make the changes they feel are necessary to get back to the playoffs and get back into contention. But so far, knock on wood, Paul, knock on wood, <laughs> we are, uh, we're looking at, at a changing organization and an organization that has more of an open mind than ever. I think we all need to go and sit down in a dark room now, James, just to kind of fan ourselves and calm down a bit. We're not used to all this excitement in the in the in the preseason and the off season, are we? It's it's kind of well, it's fun. This is what fans live off, isn't it? We want we've always wanted a bit of fun, a bit of action in 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 the off season, not just for us, the fans, but also we're desperate to see the team do well and and to compete. And they've done a good job through the draft in recent years. Fallen off in the last couple of years, um, so let's let's kind of hope they they do heed fans' kind of pleadings for you know a bit more of an aggressive, as you say, create creative is the word I think that's the key thing to think outside the little uh, the box a little bit and to kind of grab good players when they're available or at least try and make it happen. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I think look uh, here. I'll give you an idea, uh, and it's one I wrote about, and it's something that people are mixed on, but I think is, is the perfect idea. The Bengals have had an issue at wide receiver, Go on. right? But they, they trust their draft philosophy. Mm-hmm. And if they're willing to continue to make trades, they still have 11 picks. One place I, I think they should call, they should call the Cleveland Browns and see if they're willing to move on from Corey Coleman. Mm, that's a good Corey shout. Coleman's a... a yeah, yeah, he's a he's a guy out of Baylor. They loved him in 2016. I know, like I'm, I hold it in, in pretty good. I had pretty good word that if he was available at 24, they ended up with William Jackson, which thank God because William Jackson looks really, really good. Yeah, and he's going to be a great corner for a long time. At least it appears that way. But Corey Coleman went 15th overall. The Bengals wanted Coleman, and now with the Browns and the moves they're making and getting rid of some of the old players. Maybe he's available. If he's available, I think the Bengals should certainly give him a call because they love Corey Coleman coming out of Baylor. And it just it would give them another option to be that speed downfield threat. Um, and he could play with John Ross if Ross works out as well. So those are the type of moves. That's just an example. They don't necessarily have to do it. But they have 11 picks. Those are the type of moves I think that the Bengals should consider making outside-the-box moves. And uh, you're right. It's, it's one of those things where now the Corey Glenn trade makes me think, oh, well, if they're thinking like this, then maybe we can have some more moves and moves that help them win, help them get better instantly in 2018. Well, James, let's hope so. Let's really hope so. Um, uh, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for spending the time. I know that you're kind of in between shows at the moment, so uh, you must be like the hardest working media person in Cincinnati, I think. But thank you very much for joining us, James. It's always... Uh, pleasure to speak with you and hopefully you know you're more than welcome to come on uh again in the future we'd love to have you on absolutely anytime you, you need me you know how to get reach me and i appreciate you having me on and hopefully 
But next time we talk, it's about more exciting moves that, that have happened in, in the offseason and in the draft. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. You can follow James on Twitter at James Rapine. Uh, but for now, James, thanks so much for the time and thanks for joining us. Perfect. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So that was uh, ESPN's James Rapine. He has some very good things to say, didn't he, Nathan? Yeah, very, very interesting. Same sort of stuff we were talking about. Um, but yeah, another great guest for us, and we appreciate you coming on, James. Yeah, and the thing that interested me most was this talk of safety. I mean, on the out, from the outside looking in, we've got a fairly stable, solid safety pairing in George Iloka and... Sean, Sean Williams, yeah. but Sean Williams was injured a lot of the uh, a lot of the times last year. We've got Clayton Fedulum who came in and did a reasonable job, um, but the Bengals, you know, they went after that Carolina safety, didn't they? Quite aggressively a couple of weeks. Coleman, ago. yeah, that's a good point. That's um, a good point. And so they seem to be, you know, is Sean of, Williams good enough? I think he's solid. Yeah, but as James said, wouldn't you love it if? The honey badger came to Cincinnati. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, he would be was he would be a game changer. I think back there. I feel like imagine it... William Jackson, Iloka, Tyron Matthew, Kirkpatrick, and Denard. I mean, that's pretty fierce. Has he got off the boil a bit though? He got injured. Who Matthew? Yeah, because got... I feel like you heard a lot about him, and then the last year or two, he's gone a little bit quiet. Well, he got injured, didn't he? He had that horrible... Yeah, I was going to say. Was, I think it was a broken leg or something like yeah. that that he was out for pretty much the year. But I still... You wouldn't... But as James said, he's going to get... He's going to command something yeah. like 11 mil a year. I don't think the Bengals put up for Kenny Vaccaro is out there. I know he hasn't quite done it in, in New Orleans, but it is all about the fit and he was a first rounder. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems um, interesting to me that the Bengals... You know, we've got our own... As fans, we can kind of see the glaring positions of need, like the offensive line, yeah. like linebackers, like some wide receiver help. You know, James was pretty adamant of getting rid of LaFell. Oh, I completely agree with him on that. Completely you know, agree um, with him. And then if we can get, if we could get someone, could have got someone like a Paul Richardson. Can you imagine... AJ and Paul Richardson on both sides. That would, and then John Ross zipping about. Well, I, I think shot. as well. I mean, the wide receiver position is definitely something we need to upgrade. But for me, I think the the, the big question mark is tight end because, like I said, yeah, before let's he, talk about that real well, quick. Well, like I said before, he came on. Um, if you don't get back Eifert, I I, mean, I I rate Tyler Croft and CJ Azuma. I think they're decent players, but they're not. Neither one of them, to me, is an obvious starter that's going to put you up or so a dangerous just pouring position. Pouring a reader, uh, pouring a beer, reader, <laughs> not pouring a reader. Um, but you know, I don't think either one of them is particularly a starter, and we need someone off. I think they like, are. I just don't think they're a game breaker. They're not. Andy Dalton, I think, loves that big guy over the centre of the field that he can hit. I mean, you look at I for the amount of touchdowns he was putting up. Dalton loves them in the red zone. And for me, if you can't go and get a Jimmy Graham, who's going to be the sexy option on the market, a guy I he like... He would be amazing. He would be. But a guy that oh I like if, if Eifert goes, Austin Safarian Jenkins. Say that again. Austin Safarian Jenkins. I agree. I think he's... Uh, I mean, he's had his problems, but I think he's a good shout. He's, he's a talented. And yeah. he's not going to command he's... mental money. No, no. But there's a few decent tight ends in the draft. You look at Mike Gazicki, 
Yeah, you know he looks he looks pretty tasty. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals drafted a tight end. No, if they all the mon- I've been doing these fan speak. That's all I hear you talk about. On I know, Twitter. I love it. It's the most. It's like <laughs> sort of crack or something like that. <laughs> oh, it's really addictive. Things have turned sharply. Here, I know. <laughs> Life's not going well. I've turned to booze. I've turned to class A drugs. What's next? All in six weeks. I know, right? I've missed you, Nathan. i missed this podcast. I need something to fill in the nights. So um, who, who are you getting in these drafts then at tight end? Well, I suppose it's changed Gizicki, now, it? yeah. Mike Gazicki. Where's he from? I haven't even got I started the draft. I don't yet, know really. anything about... I don't... You know what? It's really interesting because in uh, the America... That it's like really, they're really into like where they're from because they kind of say it's Nathan Palmer from University of Kent, University of Kent, it's Paul Hirons from the University of Bedfordshire. Uh, it's kind of like, no, I just, I, just, I don't care where, yeah, I don't I care like where you went to university. Do you know what I mean? Um, Mike Gazicki, and there's a there's like three or four down in like the mid rounds that look pretty good, Hayden okay. Hurst. Um, uh, Goda as well, you know, so there might be we some... need one, we can't, we can't go with Croft and Azuma. But uh, Paul and Jim, as I like to call them, well, that's their names, so I'm not going to call them anything else, am I? But Paul, Dana Jr. and Jim Azarski from the Enquirer said something really interesting on the latest um, B... What's it called? The Beyond B- the Stripes? No, no, no. The the Beat Writers podcast, whatever you call it. The BPP or BBP. Sounds something Sounds vaguely... Like a bit dodgy, of, yeah, yeah, I know, right. Um but they were saying, you know, if you get Eifert back, what do you do? You know, if he plays for the season and then can't play in the playoffs, then what's the point in having him? Yeah. But then again, they were saying, do you just bring him on for like situational stuff in the red zone? Do you just play him, like you know, wrap him in cotton wool and then bring him on like Probably when it, you're inside for, the for red me, zone? For me, what happened with Eifert is that someone who can afford to gamble on his health will gamble on his health. We'll offer him a deal that will probably be along the lines of. If you if you play, we pay. It'll be something like that. Prove it. One year deal. Something like that. Someone else will say, "Look, we're going to pay you actually," and they'll have cap space and they'll gamble on his talent. And that's what people do in the NFL. They will gamble on talent. And I think people. Well, you will... look at the deal that Trey Burton got today. It was massive. Really, like ridiculous. So yeah, yeah. You know, the Bengals certainly aren't going to. I can't remember off the top of my head what he got, but it was certainly like ten. Serious mil. money. Yeah, yeah. Um, Around that figure, so it's kind of, you know, you don't want to pay that really, do you? Well, you got to pay someone. But, though, yeah, you got to pay people. And in this the NFL, is the interesting you know? thing about roster management and mm. roster building. You can't pay everyone, but you've got to kind well, of. You've got to pay someone. You you've know? got to pay someone, right? Um, I mean, we could talk about, and there will be developments. I'm pretty sure there will be developments. The Bengals will sign another couple of players not at like a super high price yeah i would expect them to extend a couple of their own yeah uh russell bodine's the interesting one because you know if they paid a lot of money for Corey glenn if they want to extend uh you know if they want to get the contracts done for gino and carlos dunlap and darkes denard keep huber yeah our old chum kev um you know what does that mean for Bodine? Because he was... I mean, they said they wanted to keep him. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could hear the kind of collective uh, I, sigh from the Bengals I, I don't mind Bodine. I think he's probably... He's awful, man. No, he's not awful. He is. He's not awful. He's really bad. I think he's below... Like, a snag below average. A uh, snag? A little, like, a little <laughs> whisper below average. I don't think he's great, 
But I also think, unless you're going to go and splash out like John Sullivan or one of these geezers, I that just feel like, yeah, it might be, but like he knows the system, Bodine. He knows working with people. He's not going to command a lot of money. I, I think you, uh, I do. Oh, it's all right. Okay. I, it'd be, do you think it'd be, men- do think it'd be mental, right? Well, we'd be sat here next Tuesday. Anything could have happened next Tuesday. I know. And that's I mean, you, we of... could. It could be like a different landscape next. We could have a new quarterback next year. You'd never know. In the well, NFL. there was some crazy talk about why don't the the Bengals <clears throat> trade? Oh, you just to the don't Bills know, yeah. To extend that little special relationship that's going on between the Bills and the Bengals. But yeah, um, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm ex- I'm genuinely excited for next Tuesday because I reckon we'll be sat here. The, the landscape will be completely different. Like, you, you could have anything there. So you could get a marquee player in. It could be another trade. Talking of marquee players, Marquise Lee is out there, who's a decent yeah, one. Yeah, he is good. That's, but that's what I mean. There's so many, like, pieces there. Yeah. And I think I think the Bengals need to be careful. You don't want to get too many. And I'm not, I don't think that's going to be something that they need to worry about. But you just need to make sure they're the right fit for your system yeah, and the right type yeah. of player. And I hope they are <clears throat> cautiously aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can't fault their off-season business so far. They've been, no. you know, you can't disagree with anything that they've done. Terrell Austin was good. Cordy Glenn's been good. Chris Alex Baker. Van Pelt. <laughs> His name is Alex Van Pelt. Classic. Yeah. Uh, we've got to get him on the podcast. Really, we do, yeah. <laughs> we need to get a feeler out there. For uh, Frank Pollitt looks good. You yeah, know, sounds good. You wouldn't mess with him. Bloody hell, did you see that interview with him? Mate, he's a nutter, that oh. guy. <laughs> you just would not mess. So I'm going to... I love what they're doing. I just don't want it to stop. They can't stop. Especially because, like, Cleveland have just thrown the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, and, but... You know, I know that it's ripe for disaster in Cleveland, but they ha- with the players that they've signed... It has to be better, right? They're going to be at least a six you say or that seven every year. team. You say that every year. Who knows? But, you know, I think teams around Cleveland will see what they've done mm. and think, oh, God, we better we better do something here. Um, so, yeah, let's see. And I'll continue my fans. I didn't actually finish explaining what fan speak is. It's <laughs> Thank this God website, for that. <laughs> it's this website where you can uh, draft. Uh, kind of, it's got a draft simulator. And it's fantastic. It only like takes a couple of minutes, but it you know it kind of rolls down who picks who, and then you get to choose for the Bengals. All done on algorithms and kind of all that kind God, of. You business. sound so bloody nerdy. To I know. Those. I've got fully into. Do you do it. this in your basement with a bloody slush puppy, dear? <laughs> a what? A slush <laughs> yeah, puppy. <laughs> Yeah, what, like an ice, one of them ice yeah, drinks? Yeah. What's that? I mean, yeah, the things that they're like, the stereotypical, nerdy. like, nerdy geezers in their basements do. Oh, really? Those headphones I can, think, I can think of a few other things that nerdy <laughs> geezers do in their basements, but it doesn't involve... Sh- I thought that was a euphemism for something. A slush puppy. You must have heard of that. I, well, I've heard a slush I've had a, I've had a slush puppy. Do you remember the blue ones that used to get the bubblegum? Well, that's blade? what I can imagine you doing these fan speak things to. What, with a slush puppy? What are you talking about? That Chelsea... Bl- talk about me getting the brew gooder. Let's move on. It's the Chelsea blonde has gone right to your head. <laughs> right, oh, OK. Dear. We can talk about... And also, I must apologise to Cordy Glenn, because in the that interview with uh, James Rapine, I kept calling him Corey Glenn. You used to call him Corey Glenn a minute ago. Did I? Yeah, yeah. See, I've got that unit. Once something gets into your head... Standards are slipped on this podcast, I and I apologise to our listeners. Yes, I, I do apologise, dear listeners. Um, the plan is to do this one tonight and then a couple of others um, in the coming weeks and then do two or three round draft day. Yeah. Uh, Nathan and I are going to do our own combine um, in April. 
he doesn't quite know. Well, you do know this. We've talked about this before, yeah, haven't yeah, we? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're going to do that. Um, you will not want to miss next week or the week after's podcast because we've got some seriously... Next week is heavyweight. Is heavyweight. And then the week after, I mean, what, what super heavy? Can you have a super heavy, heavyweight? Yeah. No, you can't, but we'll say that he's like a super, super heavy massive heavyweight. heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that might give you a clue as to who are... Uh, guest is in a couple of weeks' time, but next what, what week. What would Mike Brown? Well, would Mike Brown be like the biggest heavyweight to get him on? Well, like weight-wise, <laughs> no, but like in terms of like caliber of guest. All oh, right, uh, Mike or Chad Ochocinco or Marvin himself. I don't Probably know Marvin. I think Marvin, but I think you know a lot of Bengals fans in the UK would go nuts for Chad Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Just because they started, and actually Carson Palmer. Well, not yeah, so much he would either. be massive though. But only, I would be, I'd be like, because a lot of people started supporting the Bengals around that kind no, of, that's a good you know, when when shout. Palmer and Johnson got together. Um, and of course, Chad, he'd never come on this podcast. Though, well, he's he? retired now. He got nothing else to do. So, but he's not. If we said to him, "Oh, Carson Palmer, do you want to come on a UK Bengals podcast?" He'd say, he would. He'd, uh, what would he say? He literally would probably go. Huh. <laughs> 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 what would he go? <laughs> the geezer wouldn't even get out of bed for us well I'd like to think he would you'd hope so do you know one of the most tra- I, I don't quick- think he hates can I quickly give a story really quickly Ooh, when I was a kid I and I was I, I think I started following the Bengals when I was 13 or 14 and he yeah. was quarterback and I this is back in the day sent him a letter right I wrote a letter to him to Carson Palmer in Cincinnati, a fan letter. I'm a big fan from the UK. I know there's not many Bengals fans. Sent it to Paul Brown Stadium with a you know a couple of first class stamps, international mail. Really excited, and he never wrote back. What a tosser! I bet you get. Well, you should get him on just to have a word of reminder. <laughs> I remember that. sending that as well. A 13 year old lad, like you just you know you're open, you know you. And you weren't excited. crushed. You weren't like, well, I'm not no. going to support the Bengals anymore, but. Um, Yes, um, it's a. Sh- I'd like to get Carson on. He'd be but good. I don't think. Uh, I think he would split the fan base somewhat. Yeah, with I don't know. Of, how I feel about all that, but you don't. I'm fine with it, to be honest with you. I know yeah. that's weird to say, but um, let's just check Twitter to see if anybody's signed for anyone. Well, apparently, Bengals did make a run at Chris Smith, but the additional years and 14 million from the Browns was too good to pass up. 14 million is mental. Wow. Thing is, you've got you've got to pay people though. You've got to yeah, pay but not someone. Chris Smith. No, I know, but you know, you pay Carlos and Gino and people yeah. like that. You, do you know what I mean? Um, Fair enough. Right. Okay. Uh, we do have an announcement, as promised. Uh, we've been waiting and wanting to put together a meet up for a long time, and now the time has come. So on Saturday, the twenty eighth of April, uh, from about six o'clock, uh, six p.m. There will be a Bengals UK meetup at the Britain's Protection Pub in Manchester. Sounds like the Women's Institute. I know, right? But it's, it looks. Uh, our man in Manchester, Where Jamie. Is this? Manchester. Uh, our man in Manchester, Jamie Rowe, has told us that it is like one of the best pubs in. What's it called? Manchester. The Britain's. The Britain's Protection. Sounds a little bit BNP, but, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm willing does, to yeah. go with it. Uh, and it's draft weekend, so we'll have the final day of the draft streaming onto uh, a medium-sized television medium-sized on television. Uh, NFL Network. Uh, we're going to be recording an as-live episode of Cincinnati. 
Um, excited about that nation? That's going to be unreal. It'd be cool to meet everyone as well. I know a yeah. lot of you listen to this in the UK. It'd be fantastic to meet people and have a beer with you all. Uh, and there will be a Bengals quiz. And I think, um, although I don't think we finalised that yet and kind of how it's going to work and all the rest of it, but uh, we're going to have a Bengals quiz. Uh, but yes, the Britain's Protection Pub in Manchester, Saturday the 28th of April. We'll be posting up more details on our various social channels in the coming days. But if you want to come along... You know, you're more than welcome to bring a friend. Well, not friends, but partners and and other Bengals fans that you know. Um, and you know, it'd be fantastic because our very first Bengals UK meetup in London a few years ago. Do you remember that for the yeah, Browns it was awesome. game? Really, really good. We managed to attract about forty odd people, and it was just it was really fantastic. Um, so do come if you can. And for those down south who can't get to Manchester on the 28th, uh, we will be having something in London around the start of the season in September. Um, so there you have it. Uh, the Britain's Protection Pub in Manchester on Saturday the 28th of April. i tell you what, 6pm start, that'd be a right session, wouldn't it? Well, th- we're hoping to kind of break it up. With, oh, I'm saying it'd know... be good. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to break it up. <laughs> 6 going. to 11 and then who knows what. Yeah, delights Manchester holds in yeah, the early yeah. hours. Don't you, you? Paul has just written on a piece of paper next to me, strip club, question mark. That's disgusting. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm saying, no, what I actually wrote was basement and slush puppy. <laughs> <laughs> that oh. could be my new, uh, that could be my new, t- I want to get a t-shirt, basement, slush puppy. Well, you there. should, mate. Uh, right, okay, we've got let's some, get some questions. questions for the fans. We need to go through this because, again, we're, we're <laughs> going to have a pretty long podcast. But Chris Hood at Hooday CP, would it be better for the Bengals if the Browns were stronger? Getting two wins off them a season is nice, but they're giving up wins to the other two in the division also. Would it be better to risk losing one if they meant that they also sometimes beat the others? I see what Chris means. Um I don't know. Uh, yes, for for football's sake, uh, you know, I I've got nothing against the Browns. Actually, I don't hate them. I mean, mm. they're a shambles, and they've been the shambles for a long time. Actually, more you know, longer than we've ever been a shambles. I mean, they used to be good, obviously, yeah, yeah. way back when, and then in the eighties when they got to a couple of championship games. But ever since then, they've been pretty pretty awful. It's an interesting question because when I read it, I was like, no, you want them to be bad. Like, you want the two wins. And obviously you do want the two wins because you have to factor in um, people in other divisions and stuff like that. They're not getting to play the Browns twice a year. We are. But the interesting thing is that I think will play out this year is I don't think the Steelers will be any better. I think they'll regress. And I think the Ravens will quite seriously regress. The Ravens, to me, have been on the verge of completely capitulating for a few years. I think they're they've so been, solid, though. They're solid, but I don't think they've got that many quality players. And I think if it wasn't for John Harbaugh, I think they, they, they could have the propensity to completely um, capitulate. I I think the people were getting very excited about the Browns being better. I do think the Tyrod Taylor deal was genius, but I still think you can't just plug together a load of talent and it's hope it meshes quickly. I don't. But you look at their new offensive coordinator. Mm. You know, it's Todd Haley. Yeah. So they've got they've got the pieces, and what I think they're going to go for Sequan 
uh, Barkley in the draft. Well, yeah, that makes sense. And a new quarterback. On paper, they're dangerous, but I think all it takes is Tyrod Taylor to get a knock in training camp. Well, he's not. I don't think he's top tier mm. quarterback. Of course he's not, no. But you know what well, he, his day is? Decent, what he but... is, though, is he's consistent. He takes care of the football. He looks after the ball. See, I he... don't even think he's that. No, he is. He's, he's cons- he looks after the ball. And he, well, I think what Hugh Jackson likes, he likes a creative offence. Tyrod Taylor can move about in the pocket. He can run. He can do designated quarterback runs. If you get someone like Saquon Barkley, it gives defences a nightmare because either one of them can run with it. You've got Josh Gordon one side, Jarvis Landry another, David Njoku at tight end over the middle. On paper, it looks quite good. You've got Joe Thomas at your left tackle. They're not a bad team. Crowell, the running back, yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, but if you You've got him... to put it together, though. Yeah, it's yeah, all okay. new pieces. It's Todd Haley's new, Saquon Barkley will be a rookie, Josh Gordon, you can't rely on him at all to finish a season. Landry's new, Joku's only one season in. The Browns have got a lot of work to do. I wouldn't I wouldn't get yeah. all too excited just yet. I agree. Um but as far as would I think for football's sake, it would be good that the Browns were were better. Yeah, because when you play us. when you play the Browns at the moment, it feels like what well, it just feels like oh you know, like yeah. just come on, like let's yeah. get it over with. All right, Duncan Yedden, <laughs> hi Duncan, uh, at Slam Dunk the Funk. Great Twitter handle. Oh, yeah. Uh, controversial, but I think our current O-line improves this year and we don't need to draft these positions. Which positions do we go for aggressively in the draft? Now, obviously, oh, it's all about free agency at the moment, so we're going to go on to the draft later, but oh, come on, Duncan, man, we need to draft. I mean, there's some half-decent... I think we'll we'll um, we'll miss out on people like Mike McGlinchey uh, and Connor Williams, uh, but I... You know, Orlando Brown's going to be down there. Isaiah Wynn is going to be down there at 21. I'm not saying... I mean, I would actually, personally... I'd go for a decent defensive playmaker in that first round. If well, someone safety, like, you're saying? A safety or a linebacker. Someone like... I mean, if we, if we were at 12, who I was drafting at 12 on the Fanspeak draft simulator thing was Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith. Right, um, but but we're not going to get them. But maybe Leighton Van Der Esch is going to be available. Maybe uh, Rashawn Evans is going to be available. So there's still a lot of good players down there. Yeah, yeah. I think 21. You're more likely to go best player available than you, if that makes sense. But then you know, second round, you're looking at Mike Gazicki at tight end. Mm. You're looking. I mean, he might even go first round. Who knows? But um, tight end, I think, is massive. I still think you know there's a couple of offense. You know, Colton Miller, uh, O'Neill, a couple of tackles there. Um, Will Hernandez at guard is getting a lot of good press. And you know, the thing is, if people go nuts for quarterbacks at the top of the draft, which they normally do, if Lamar Jackson suddenly goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Josh Rosen and all those Sam Darnold will all go in the top ten. Yeah. You know that actually is good for us. Of course, it is. Because we, you know, it was stuffed. You know, uh, at twelve, Vita Vea might have been kind of available, mm. and then you have to really make a tough decision. Yeah, yeah. And down there at twenty-one, you might get someone like Deron Payne or, or someone who slips down a bit. You get yeah, some good value. Absolutely. You could even move up and down as well. I remember this: the Bengals got a lot of picks. Don't yeah. necessarily think twenty-one's the spot they're going to pick at on the night. Because I'm not being funny. Last year they made a massive error with that. They had all these comp picks. They drafted all these players, and you drafted what Jake Elliott in the fourth or fifth. He didn't even make your roster yeah, because absolutely. you need to be careful with that. A lot of those players didn't. You're better off actually like moving up four or five places in the first or the second round to get someone you really want, rather than stick around and no, you know I agree. dig through the trash. Not the trash, but you no, know. I know what you mean. Yeah, 
But I, I kind of know what you mean, Duncan. I think, I actually think, you know, the way they improved as an offensive line last year was encouraging. Some of the young guards, Redmond, came on. Yeah. But I still think we need to get some a few players in. I mean, it's, it. I think the key thing in the next week or so will be what happens to Russell Bodine. Yeah. Uh, because there are two or three centres, or even four centres in that draft, that would be, as James said in, in the interview, would be an instant upgrade. So I still think we need to hit offensive line in the draft somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Tom McDowell, I'm not going to even... I can't... What? what? At Wagat Dub DD. Um, Poor handle that. It's not, it doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Um, there were rumours that we would have signed Kaepernick had the McCarran trade gone through. How true do you think this was? And is it something else to look at McCarran goes? I have no idea. Who knows what was going on behind the lines? Kaepernick, I mean, I knew that, you know, we all know that they liked him coming out of college and it mm. was, uh, you know, I love Kaepernick on the team. I've got no, I've not got a problem, certainly politically, with, in fact, quite the opposite with Kaepernick. Um, just... Uh, <laughs> He went off a cliff quality-wise. That was my biggest problem. See, I don't know if he did. I don't know if he did. I think he had a terrible system in San Francisco. There was no playmakers there. There was no talent there. The only real player... They got, they got to the championship game. What no, after about? that. Well, right, okay. What I'm saying is that when he that was when he was unreal. The geezer was tearing it up. He was running for 80 yards a game. He was throwing it about. They were unbelievable. But then it fell off a cl- uh, cliff quite quickly. Yes, it did. Um, and at the end of his career... Well, at the end of his career, but at the end of his playing time there, there really wasn't a lot mm. at all. Um, you know, you talk about like Vance McDonald and people like that. I think the problem for me is I'm not quite sure that him as a football player with a year out necessarily has more tread on the tyres and more ability than some of the free agents like your Josh McCowans that are floating around now. Would I have wanted him a year ago? Yes. Do I want him now? I'd bring him in for a, a trial. Yeah, absolutely. I'd bring him in and see what he can do. I have absolutely no problem with him politically. I just think that you take him on pure ability. Do the Bengals need a circus? No, but, no, but ultimately, I think it's quite obvious and quite apparent. Dalton is your number one. It might actually put a bit of pressure under him, knowing someone's quite high profile. I've got no issue with it, but I'd, say, I'd bring him in for a workout, see how he does, see what sort of shape he's in, yeah. give him a tryout. I, I'd be happy with it. I mean, it's obvious we need to bring in a new backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, there's plenty out there, you know, like Jay Cutler and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Mike Glennon and, um, you know, there, there's some good backup quality yeah. quarterbacks out there. And plus, you know, once you get past those first four or five quarterbacks in the draft, the next best is probably Mike White and he's going to go like round four or five. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see, we'll see. Um, right, D Norton at D No, spelled N A. UX solid handle. Um, in the draft, best player available strategy works. In my opinion, it only works if you're willing to trade good players fairly regularly. Discuss. It makes a very, very good point. And, you know, best player available has worked for the Bengals for uh, up until about two years ago. You know, everyone, I always go back to kind of the Tyler Eifert drafting. Mm. You know, everyone kind of thought, you know, they had a few needs, but not loads. Um, and then they kind of drafted another tight end. Yeah. When they had Gresham. It's like, what are you doing tight end? Yeah, but yeah. he was the best player available, and it become, and and it became a star. You know, Gresham was gone, and Eifert became a star. Now, 
best player available works when you've got a talented roster where you just keep topping it up. Yeah. When you're like we have at the moment with like two or three areas that need some real work, best play available, maybe the first round, I think, but certainly you're reaching a little bit for needs. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. The Bengals do love to go best play available. So who knows? They might see a cornerback in the first round. They love a first round cornerback. They might go for a safety in the first round. They might, you know, I think the fact that they've got Cordy Glenn, Cordy. That is. Um, there you go. You know, they might not reach for an offensive tackle yeah. in the draft. Do you know what I mean? I think to his point, to D Norton's point, I think I agree. I think if you're going to go down the best player available strategy, you do need to be quite out there in terms of what you're going to do with your roster personnel. You do need to ship some trades out. You do need to be aggressive because, you, you know, if you're going to stockpile talent like that, you need to have someone on the blower going out to people and saying, you know, this is what we've got. Do you want to move this around? We're going to move around this. I think the Bengals are too conservative in that approach, and sometimes they do have to draft to fill needs because they're not going to go out there and pay free agents. They're not going to go out there and make a trade that actually makes them better, at least until yesterday. So it's yeah. a good question. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, we're going to, you know, questions from um, M at M Falascari. Um, great Twitter handle. Dastardly, our old chum Dastardly Duncan. Another great handle. And Jamie, uh, Jamie Rowe, who's our. Uh, Bengals UK man up in Manchester. They're all asking about and the Memphis Soul Stew Stuart Baird six eight eight at Stuart Baird six eight eight. Hi Stuart. Um, they all they're all asking about offensive line in the draft and should we move down or up and Pat yeah. Man stuff that we've already addressed. Um, but Mike Smith, Michael Smith, the uh, original founder of Bengals uh, UK at Bengal underscore Mike. What's your favourite biscuit? Joe, first of all, with Mike Smith, I've got a story about him. Uh-oh. In this six weeks off, I'm in my local it boozer. It doesn't, no, but I was yeah. in my local boozer having a beer, and I look over, and bear on, Mike's from South Kent, and I'm from North London. I'm in my boozer, and it's very empty, like Monday or Tuesday night. And I look over, and I said to my partner, I was like, I think I think that's Mike Smith from Bengals UK in the corner. She goes, why would he be in here? It can't be him. It can't be him. It was him. And we got a nice picture of us. We had a beer together. Randomly meeting up with Mike Smith in North London for a beer, um, which was quite a nice experience. But to his question about what is my favourite biscuit, it's an easy one for me, Mike. It is the, you know those digestive biscuits with the caramel in them? The chocolate caramel ones, the little ones, they go down an absolute treat for me. Paul? Well, it's a difficult one for me. Um, it all hinges on classification, I think. Oh, here we go. See, <laughs> you see, it's all about Jaffa Cakes for me, but I don't know whether you class them no, as I'd a biscuit. No, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Because the clues in the name is a cake. No, I don't think... But oh, is it? It's a tough one, isn't it? Do you know what I, I mean? I give you it. I give you it, and I'm the only person in this room to be able to clarify it, so I'm going to give okay. you it. Um, however, I think the king of the biscuits is, is, you know, you could go for a boring... What the fuck is going on there? Oops. However, the king of the biscuits um, has to be the hobnob. The chocolate hobnob. It's good. It's a contender. Forget, you know, you can say your stuff like... 
you know, rich tea and digestives. No, you know. You know, they, they, they serve a function, don't they? They serve a purpose. They're for dunking. Yeah. Mostly old people, I would say. So, yeah, I'd be fine with them. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, give me a... What the... Sorry, my computer's turning it off. Um, so, yeah, give me a hobnob. Give me a chocolate hobnob. It is industrial strength, so it can dunk for ages. Yeah. Doesn't fall apart after one dunk. Oh, sorry, I'm turning to Peter. I'm just going to repeat... Pete, the whole Peter Kay kind of <laughs> sketch on uh, on biscuits, but yeah, give me a hobnob. Give me, better than that. Give me a chocolate hobnob. There you go. The man has spoken. There you go. That's fairly definitive, isn't it? Yeah. It is. um, you can at us at Hooday underscore UK if you want to ch- chime in on the biscuit debate. Um, you probably don't, but you know that's fine. <laughs> um, but I think that's it. It's gone on for ages. Again, we keep saying that we're going to try and get keep this under an hour, but this is like an hour and 20 tonight. So, Well, I hope you, you enjoy know. it. It has been a pleasure to be back. We're really excited about the meet-up in Manchester on the 28th of April. We hope you can all make it. Um, we'll be back next week when the Bengals will have gone after every free agent on the market. We'll have brand new, exciting talent to discuss, and I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for tuning in, Paul. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do this podcast. And uh, we'll bring you more news about our meetup at the Britain's Protection Pub in Manchester on Saturday the 28th. Uh, until then, um, have a good week, and we'll speak to you next Tuesday. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.